You're listening to Into It from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Sanders, and we have got a lot to talk about this week, including Disney. The company announced this week that it's going to lean in even harder to its theme parks as their streaming service continues to lose money. As part of this pivot, Disney is now offering a month-long private jet world tour of every Disney park on the globe for only $115,000. So it starts in Anaheim and it goes... Anaheim, San Francisco, Tokyo, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Agra, Cairo, Paris, and Orlando. That Paris to Orlando flight, that is a vibe shift. That is a change in energy. <laughs> yeah, you're going from French fries to freedom Ooh, fries. You're going from Ratatouille to Ron DeSantis. <laughs> and we'll discuss comedian Hassan Minhaj making up some big parts of his personal history. And Ryan Murphy may be promising an all-black season of American Horror Story. Or not. All that and more after this break. Here this week to break down some big pop culture stories from the week. I'm joined once again by Intuit's BFF, Jay Jordan. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course. TV writer, comedian, noted bisexual, all around good person, Mr. Congeniality. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. And unlike Miss Congeniality, I will never play the role of Leanne Tui, who took Michael Orr's money for a conservative <laughs> ship. We love you, Sandra. We love you, Sandra Bullock. Do we? Do we? Sandra <laughs> we Bullock herself is unproblematic, but yes. she keeps finding herself associated with white people who are problematic. Like a few years ago, she didn't know it until they divorced, but she was like dating a Nazi for a while. Remember that? Yeah. Wow. That See, that is such a very funny thing to point out is that we love Sandra Bullock. We just don't love her taste all the time. Yeah, she ain't got the right taste. I think my prescription... For Sandra Bullock, and I've said this before, I think, it's no more white people. You just Ooh. hang out with us. We're going to take care of you, yes. Sandra. Because you, yes. you you don't have the the discernment to know uh, who's right for you or not. That, that third eye ain't open. <laughs> anywho, anywho, before we get to the big pop culture stories of the week that the team and I have picked out, what's been the biggest pop culture story in your world this week? I'm curious, Jay. Ooh, well, I think that Taylor Swift and Sophie Turner hanging out is kind of wild. The, the more that we're getting into the post-Sophie Joe divorce. Joe Jonas, we should point out. Yeah. Joe Jonas. Taylor was also involved with the Jonases back in the day. This is very interesting. Yeah. It's also just like more of like Taylor Swift dominating every news cycle, even the ones <laughs> that are not hers. She's just right? like, I'm in it. I'm in it. <laughs> anywho, anywho, let's play the game. Taylor may or may not make an appearance in this game. You know the drill, Jay. It's called Into It or Not Into It. I tell you a story from the week. You tell me if you're into it or not. At the end, I might declare a winner. At the end, I might just say Taylor won because she always does. Wow, that's true. It's true. It's true. Anyway, to start, let's go. Jay, are you into or not into Disney leaning very big into their amusement parks in a very big way. Have you seen this news? 
Yes, they're going to spend $60 billion over the next 10 years on theme park updates and, I guess, reviving some things and making some things better. They already got rid of the racist ride, right? Disney announcing in 2020 that it was planning to reimagine the Splash Mountain after mounting complaints for its connection to the 1946 film Song of the South, which has been criticized for racial stereotypes and its nostalgic view of the post-Civil War South. Which, honestly, keep it as a historical <laughs> artifact. I want to see it. I don't believe no. in censorship. No, here's the funny part. I want to ironically keep, ride that song on the South Ride. If you keep the zippity doo da ride, you know people who are conservative are just going to line up and be like, this is the only one I this want. This is our I heritage. I want a fast pass for this. I want to go on it 88 <laughs> times. I want to take pictures. I'll get married here. So from a business standpoint, have one racist thing that the racist people can go to, Disney. I'm just, I'm helping you out. You know, you go. people still yeah. watch Dumbo. Come on. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Disney announced this week that it's going to nearly double its capital expenditure for its parks business. It's going to push $60 billion more dollars into its parks business over the next 10 years. Ugh. And this comes as Disney has figured out that streaming is not going to make them money. Disney Plus is losing them money, and the hope is that these parks will offset those losses. Do you think that's a good plan? I don't really know if I would bet money on people buying extra turkey legs instead of <laughs> watching all the TV shows. You can also, this is tough as an actor and as a writer, you could just make less stuff every now and then. There you go. But kind of saying, oh, the way we'll offset uh, Disney Plus streaming failures or uh, dips is that we're going to have people have an extra spin in the teacups. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know if that's gonna work. I know Tiana has a new place, uh, oh, a new, a like new her. restaurant. Like <laughs> I her. love Tiana, but people ain't gonna be buying that much gumbo. Yeah. Now this restaurant of yours is it gonna have a etouffee? Jambalaya gumbo. Mm -hmm. It's gonna have it all. Also, do I trust Disney gumbo? I'm not sure. Now, Sam, that's the real discussion. That's the real question. Because no one wants to have that who, conversation. Who is back there cooking the gumbo? Come on. Mickey and Minnie do not know how to make a good roux. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anywho. I need, need somebody's big mama back Come there. Come on now. I need, or I need a big mama or I need a me-ma, all except a me-me, <laughs> a ma-ma. Come on. I need something. We need something. something. Yeah. Hit it hard with a couple of shots of Tabasco and it's the bee's knees. That's got some zing to it. <laughs> That's just what it needed. <laughs> So Disney is saying that it has more than a thousand acres set aside for future development at its six existing theme parks. And it says that according to their internal research, there are some 700 million consumers who are Disney fans who have yet to visit one of its theme parks. And the goal is to get them. And on top of that, they're also going to double the capacity of its cruise line, adding two ships no, that's in a, 25 that's, no, and 26. No, no, wow. no, no, wow. no. Wow, wow, Why no? No. Why no? No. Why no? Stop it. You didn't have to add boats to this. No. <laughs> they did. They no. did. <sighs> what does it say about the state of television that even Disney is like, yeah, F this streaming. We're going to get some more parks and boats up in this. <laughs> like, what does it say about streaming? I, right? That's so foreboding. Yeah. I, I really 
like that they're trying to say, oh, people like the brand, but they've never been to a park. So what are we going to do? Make it more expensive and put more stuff. Uh, this is a confession. I've worked at a theme park, not Disney. I worked at Busch Gardens. So if you've ever... Oh, no, white refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what I was going to say. If you've ever been to a Disney park, you know, like the stuff on the ground and the like mud and the gunk and some of like the rocks in Disney parks, that's Bush Gardens. Bit. So um I've never been I've never been to Disney World or Disneyland. I would love to go. But I think that thinking this is gonna offset all these costs is I think is very optimistic. Yeah. Because it's expensive. There's not that many Disney gays or Disney adults. There just aren't. Yeah. Well and it's kind of just like Disney. Like, it just kind of feels like you're putting your head in the sand. You can yeah. do more with the parks. You can do more with the cruise ships. But at some point, you need to make your streaming business solvent. And they haven't figured out how to do that just yet. And it seems like no one has figured that out. Peacock, still losing money. Paramount Plus, still losing money. It's like the only ones that kind of get it are Netflix. But every other streaming platform is just losing billions. But streaming is a percentage of their business. I mm -hmm. think some people think that streaming can become like all of their business. And for a company like Netflix, it is. For a company like Apple, for a company like Amazon, their streaming services are so, they're infinitesimal. It's just one branch them. on the tree. Exactly. It's not even a branch, it's a leaf <laughs> on a twig. Yep on a bigger limb on a branch on the tree. <laughs> I, if you asked me, a person who works, worked, is on strike, um, I'd know that Apple, Tim Cook would probably be like, oh yeah, don't we, don't we, don't we got some TV shows or something? Like they just don't be, Jeff yeah. Bezos knows Amazon has things like Amazon Prime Jeff Video. Jeff Bezos has never watched Mrs. Maisel. Never. But that like that's what I'm saying. Like Jeff Bezos probably would be like, yes, we put Amazon Prime as the first two words of this. So you go, oh, I do need to order some paper towels. Oh, and there's TV. And there's TV. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. So Disney, you're making toys. You have the rights to ESPN, ABC, every Disney movie ever. The vault. The Vault is such a cool idea. Now everyone has access to The Vault. Disney Streaming Plus, Disney Plus is The Vault. I think you own Marvel now. You'll be fine. Can I tell you the craziest thing Disney's going to do to make more money? Um, I, I want to know. They now are going to offer a 24-day package where you get to go to all the Disney parks across the world in a private Jet, you will go to Anaheim, San Francisco, Tokyo, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Agra, Cairo, Paris, and Orlando on a bucket list adventure for 75 Ultimate Disney fans. They say it's a dream vacation spanning 24 days, covering six countries and visits to 12 uniquely magical Disney theme parks, as well as three iconic landmarks, including the Taj Mahal, Pyramids of Giza, and the Eiffel Tower. Guess how much this 24-day all-inclusive private jet Disney trip costs? I, it has to be... It has to be $500,000. Oh, well, I mean, it's a steal then. It's going to be around $115,000. I don't, I don't trust it. That, no, 
<laughs> Here's how I know it's going to be a little ratchet. That's so what I'm saying. The trip starts in Anaheim, but at the end, they just drop you off in Orlando. They don't even bring you to where you started. You Wait get dropped off in Orlando minute. at the end. Come on now. So it starts in Anaheim and it goes... Anaheim, San Francisco, Tokyo, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Agra, Cairo, Paris, and Orlando. That Paris to Orlando flight, that is a vibe shift. That is a change in energy. <laughs> yeah, you're going from French fries to freedom Ooh, fries. You're going from Ratatouille to Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I wonder what he thinks about all of this because he was trying to like kill these Disney parks. Disney said better, harder, faster, stronger. They're not done. They're they're pumping more money into the parks. It's like they're, screw you, Ron. Which also is pumping more money into Florida. Yeah. Like it was odd that he wanted to fight them. He 100% would have not had a battle on his hands if he went Stop all that gay stuff. Except for Disney, do whatever you want, boo. But everyone yes. else, cut it out. Yeah. He got married at Disney. Ron DeSantis got married at Disney World. Every day, I find something out about that man that makes me go, oh, so you thought you looked good in those white boots. <laughs> married married at Disney World? I, wh- yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's just a combination of facts. I want to send Ron DeSantis on that 24-day Disney trip. That would yeah, be one way. Actually, <laughs> put him on the wallet ship, actually. Wow. Wow. All right, going to a break. But first, listeners, if you haven't heard yet, Vulture is doing a movie fantasy league again this year. Basically, you get to pick a team of eight movies that were released in 2023 to compete against other teams. You can also create mini leagues with friends to compete against each other. Personally, my roster includes Barbie, the newest Spider-Man, American Fiction, and Cocaine Bear. But you do you. Uh, Points are awarded based on their box office performance, awards hall, and assorted other categories. And in this competition, you can win real stuff. A Roku TV, a Roku soundbar, and Bowers & Wilkins headphones. But the deadline to submit your movie fantasy team is coming soon, Thursday, September 28th. So head over to Vulture to sign up now for free. We'll also put a link in our show notes. All right, happy drafting. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, next, Jay, are you into or not into Taylor Swift 
releasing new tracks from her vault via word puzzles on Google. You see this? Oh, um, Swifties, I have nothing bad to say about you because I don't want bomb threats sent to my house. Yeah. I think Taylor Swift is a master tactician when it comes to marketing. I think this is how we know Swifties are getting a little old. This is what an old person would do. A puzzle? <laughs> Go to Google.com and play this puzzle, <laughs> and I'll show you a my puzzle? songs. A puzzle? It's giving... What? It's giving... Okay, remember, like, back in the 90s when you could play Monopoly at McDonald's and, like, win millions if you, like, scratched mm-hmm. off the things off of your soda? This yes. is what it's giving. That energy. Yes. I'm not a Swifty, but if I had to pick an album where I go, oh, this is quintessential Taylor, and she kind of is in charge of things, 1989... 89 that, is like where she went to the club. She was like, let me put this guitar down for a little album. bit and go dance. Yeah, That is the Taylor album for me. Now, maybe that makes me basic. And by basic, you mean just a person who likes popular things? I don't know. But yeah. 1989, this might... This is the one where I go, this hype makes sense. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. She's going to re-record and re-release with new stuff. Oh, this is insane. So, But here's the thing, though. Once you look into this whole Google reveal of these vault tracks, it was kind of a nothing burger. So basically, Ooh. Taylor said, once 33 million of these word puzzles are solved on Google globally, I will open the vault. They got to 33 million in just a few hours. Oh, my God. So once they open the vault, though, they just show you the names of five songs. You don't get to hear them yet. It was just the <gasps> Not names. Not even a snippet? No, just the names of the songs. And, like, to get to all of that, Google crashed so bad, they had to tweet and apologize. They wrote at, some, at, at one point when the whole thing crashed under the weight of all these Taylor fans. They wrote, quote, Swifties, the vault is jammed, but don't worry. There are no blank spaces inside. We're in our fix-it era and we'll be out of the woods soon. Oh my God. Congratulations on someone getting that copy approved, but also know that you crashed a search engine. Yeah. A thing, its only job is to look for stuff. Yeah. And y'all looked for too much stuff. Yeah. We got to get these kids back in school. Somebody needs a job. We, it was, I don't know. Somebody, I just, too bored. I'm kind of like, I don't need the Google involved in this. Just release the songs, Taylor. This was too no, much. No, I am not into having treasure hunts for music yeah. that we've already heard. That yeah. is not yeah. what I'm into. All right, next. Jay, are you into or not into the comedian Hassan Minhaj mm-hmm. exaggerating a lot of stuff in his personal Ooh. stories mm. in his comedy specials? See, exaggeration... The using the word exaggeration here, I think, is an understatement mm-hmm. because an exaggeration is um, just kind of embellishment of some kind of basic truth of some sort of like thing that actually happened. We're talking about lying about anthrax and a yeah. baby, yeah, and lying about the girl's family being so racist that they didn't want you to go to homecoming yeah. with her, but then she ended up marrying. 
a a South Asian man? Yeah. What? Let's what? Let's break this down for our listeners. What? So a lot of our listeners know Hassan Minhaj uh, as the host of the Netflix show Patriot Act, yes. and as an established actor on things like The Morning Show and yes. as a stand up comedian, which is how he came to fame. He has several yes. w- uh, renowned comedy specials. Daily Show correspondent. Daily White Show correspondent. Yeah. Dinner. He's he, done he, it. He's done yeah. it. Uh, and he has made a name for himself with humor that touches on his life and his experience as a Muslim American man experiencing lots of discrimination. But it turns out that a lot of those stories he told about his own life weren't quite true. The New Yorker last week published a long article debunking a lot of the stories that were central to his comedy and personal story. So in one of his specials, Hassan said that someone sent a white powder to his house in the mail, and he thought it was anthrax. And he said in the special that his daughter ended up having to go to the hospital for possible anthrax exposure. I flip it over, and all this white powder falls into the stroller. And it falls on my daughter's shoulder. Her neck, her cheeks. And she's staring at me. And I run upstairs and I tell Bina. And this time I can't lie. Turns out his daughter was never exposed to white powder or hospitalized, though he does still claim that there was a letter with white powder sent to his home. In another story, he talked about how an FBI informant came to infiltrate his family mosque in the Sacramento area. This white guy who claimed to have converted to Islam and Hassan would say that this guy would try to get the men in the congregation to talk about jihad. And Hassan, in his special, says that at one point he makes a joke to the informant about how he was getting trained to get a pilot's license. And then the police slammed him onto the hood of a car. And my head is against the hood of the car. And I look out and I see all my friends from the mosque lined up on the curb. That also never happened. And... We also kind of have to add a little bit of context. These stories are presented as the sincere and kind of like emotionally filled and like more dramatic moments of the stand-up special. Oh yeah, it's, it's not that these it's yeah, somber these moments. Yeah, these moments are presented comedically. They're like kind of the balancing. He act wants you for to cry about it. Yeah, yeah, or just to be like, holy shit. Yeah. So. <sighs> It's such a weird way to elicit a reaction out of someone and then never talk about it in the interviews afterwards. Because then you get interviewed about these every time you release one because they're kind of, people wait for these, these types of specials. It's kind of a a 70-30 mix of like a stand-up special and like more of like an Edinburgh Fringe show, if anyone's Mm -hmm. familiar with like Fringe. So you, in an interview... After these things, not this most recent New Yorker interview, but whenever these things came out, you do get the chance to say, oh, this is highly fictionalized. And he never said that. I was like actually doing some character work. Yeah, he would act like these things were true. There was another story where he said he had a date to high school prom, this white girl who right before prom said, no, I can't take you because her family didn't want her going with a brown man. You know, tonight's one of those nights where you know, we have a lot of family back home in Nebraska. And we're going to be taking a lot of photos tonight. So we don't think it'd be a good fit. Turns out that wasn't true. She says that he identified her in the special to the point that she was doxxed over this for years. And she said, I ended up marrying an Indian man. 
to me, there's a perfect comedic way to handle that as well, is that when you go, oh, God, her family was so racist that they didn't allow me to go to homecoming with their daughter. And do you see what happens if you're racist people? She still ends up with an Indian guy. Or you go, oh, they weren't racist. They just didn't like me. Like, yeah. there's, to me, there are so many spots where some of these are unforced errors. And it really does kind of call into question the nature of this specific type of comedic device. Well, I guess performance device, dramatic device, because you want the audience to go, oh, I feel something. And your ability to handle this very sad and heavy thing with humor lets me know you're skilled, but you never had to actually deal with this thing. Well, and this is what I find really troubling about all of it. It'd be different if he were just trying to do comedy. But Hassan Minhaj kind of turned his comedic career into a career like covering current events. He hosted Patriot Act, a show that dealt with like real news. He was on The Daily Show, a show that dealt with real news. The Anthrax thing and the Jared Kushner thing are directly tied to an episode of Patriot Act specifically one that dealt with the Saudi, the Saudi government. government. Yeah. So it's it, it's very connected. It's tied to the news. And like he used the stories of this trauma to bolster his career and give him a certain street cred to talk about certain news issues and current events issues. It all feels problematic to me. Was there a way or a version of all of this where it would have been okay for him to exaggerate in this manner? Or is there no way that this was cool? I think the way that you make it an exaggeration, but also comedic, is you use the best three words in comedy. Could you imagine? (laughs) And then just go into the story and go, but that didn't happen. Thank God what actually happened. You can, and you always get a laugh on those things. Yeah. And I know some people have been like, oh, well, like Bernie Mac actually didn't take care of his sister's kids. I was like, but. Bernie this Mac is a wasn't little... hosting a new show. Bernie That's Mac was not thing. hosting a new show. Three new fucking kids. My sister kids. You know, I ain't shame. We family. We family. You know, my sister on drugs. Yeah, I ain't shame to tell you. I got her kids. You know, some of your family members fucked up. You're going to be looking at me all fucked up. That's the thing. And it was based on like part of a family story and a situation, but he made it his sister. So it was one step closer to him. But Bernie Mac then did not go on and speak about how the foster care system needs to give him an award. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't, he he didn't become an advocate for taking people's kids in. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, if you're going to be more than a comedian and if you're going to parlay your comic career into a career dealing with current events and real issues you have to be really aware of what the expectations of truth are as you move from one medium to the next and comics no comic is saying oh it's okay to like it's you we have to tell the truth about everything no 100 percent, no you do not have to tell the truth about Everything. If someone said a quip at a table, but you want to say, oh, this actually happened at a party. Sure. Fine. If you have this obvious, fantastical, hyperbolic story about you doing something so insane that only a child would believe that you're actually retelling the facts, like, honestly, continue. Go out. I don't think that everyone who talks about 
fucking is fucking the way that they talk about <laughs> fucking. Because yeah. I've seen some of y'all on dates. I know y'all ain't. Whoop. It's not a matter of a comedian not being 100% honest. It's a matter of you chose to tell the biggest lies yeah. in the most important part of your very self-important show. There you go. There you go. I want to read for you his statement after this New Yorker piece came out. In a statement, Hassan said, quote, All my stand-up stories are based on events that happened to me. Yes, I was rejected from going to prom because of my race. Yes, a letter with powder was sent to my apartment that almost harmed my daughter. Yes, I had an interaction with law enforcement during the war on terror. Yes, I had varicosal repair surgery so we could get pregnant. Yes, I roasted Jared Kushner to his face. I used the tools of stand-up comedy, hyperbole, changing names and locations, and compressing timelines to tell entertaining stories. How do we feel about that? I feel like it is a very shrewd statement. I think it is well-coached and very kind of like technically. And once again, comedians lie. Everyone, if they you've ever it. even met a comedian, they're lying they, to you. If they said they're having a good day, lie number one. Yep. But it's like, it's just a very odd amount of big lies. Totally. This also is very hard to say as a marginalized performer in comedy. Yeah. It's not my job to give white, straight audiences a bunch of, like, victimhood trauma porn. It's usually just my job to make them laugh. If they do get parts of my life, if mm -hmm. they do get things and moments where I necessarily uh, didn't enjoy the American dream to the fullest extent, hopefully that is only to serve the purpose of me making them laugh. It's never me being like, ooh, let me strategize how I can leverage homophobia and racism mm -hmm. and so socioeconomic disparity and make these people know that I've been through it all. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so weird. And now it's going to affect so many black and brown and female and queer yep. performers because anytime they tell something serious, people are going to be like, oh, well, you know comedians just lie about that shit. And most of us don't. Yep. All right, one more quick break, and we'll be back with Jay Jordan. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country 
conquer their next course. Last question for you, Jay. Are you into or not into an all-black season of American Horror Story? Oh, I'm I'm into it because the way the way that America has treated black people, that's the American horror story. Are you Ryan? Okay, Ryan Murphy, why would you tell Angelica Ross this is gonna happen and then keep messing up? (laughs) Just the worst part about some of these promises sometimes to performers is you'll be like, they said it's going to happen. I don't know when. Just don't say just it. Just don't say it. Just, we should just catch our listeners don't. up. Yeah, yeah. So the actress Angelica Ross, uh, who you may know from Pose, she's been sharing email correspondence with television writer, producer, director Ryan Murphy, basically accusing him of ghosting her after he promised that he was all in for an all-black season of American Horror Story. And he said it was going to star her and Kiki Palmer and Gabrielle Sidibe. And these texts were sent in July of 2020. This is right around the time of the wave of protests and mm-hmm. promises being made after George Floyd's murder. But basically, Ryan Murphy was like, I raised my fist in solidarity. We're going to do a FUBU NAACP season of <laughs> no. American Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just ghosted Angelica. And Angelica and, would write back, check in, and still would never hear back. So finally, this month, she put him on blast. <laughs> I can think of no better microcosm for the queer community than a rich, older, gay, white man <sighs> ignoring black trans women. Woo-woo-woo-woo-woo. <laughs> what, what, like... Come on, Ryan Murphy. Right, all you have to do is be like, "Oh, you know what? You're right. Let's let's start. Let's let's start working on something." You can start working on something, and it could take years to come to fruition. But for her to be able to say, "You didn't even like keep talking to me about it," or like that was what you thought was gonna get the job done during the the post George Floyd world that was 2020. You're talking to black actresses who you've worked with, and you said, "Girl, you know what we should do? Yeah. We should do an all black season of America Horror Story." And they went, "Ryan, are you for real?" And then Robert went, "Who is this?" Yeah. At one point, <laughs> he even wrote to her in an email, according to a screenshot that she provided. He said, "We will start a writers' room in the fall." Along with you, who are the four women I should get? I think you, Kiki Palmer, Gabby. It's like, dude, you said you were going to do this. And here's the thing. If Ryan Murphy wants to do it, he could do it. Whatever Netflix has given him, he gets to make however many shows he wants to make. There's a new Ryan Murphy show every week. Every every week? Every every hour? I yeah. see a Deadline article about it. You know what? It's funny because, you know... If we want to talk about Angelica Ross, we can also point out the fact that he's worked with Emma Roberts as multiple different characters in this kind of American horror story world, this Ryan Murphy verse that he wants to create. So you could easily pick Angelica Ross up and put her in something new and be like, oh, this will branch into that. So like, it's just weird when you, as an auteur, a person who has complete creative control, mm-hmm. he can't blame nobody else. He can't be like, oh, no, you know, the studio is tripping. Yeah, Netflix uh, lets him do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. 
He's like, oh, you know, my executive producer, you. you. Well, you know, the writer, you. You. Yeah. Oh, you know, the person who's actually in charge of casting. It seems like you're casting. You're texting. Yeah. Potential cast. Yeah. I will say, uh, though, now that we've introduced this hypothetical of an all-black American horror story season, what should it be about? And who should star in it? Well, I think that because the New Orleans-based one was about... Uh, it's new. It was very New Orleans. It was voodoo stuff, right? Angela Bass was in that one, right? You are damned to live forever. To never know the release of sweet death. If it's dealing with horrors and it's dealing with American history, I do think it could either be in a different Southern location or it could be about, I think it could be about one of the black massacres we don't know about. And now oh. those spirits are affecting the place. So we have like black people going in to try to like figure out what's going on. Maybe mm. someone is a descendant. I mean, Watchmen did a great job they with did. the Tulsa massacre. So I think if that's the place he wants to go with it, part of me would love it if this one was super funny and a bit lighter instead mm. of making black women have to do all this heavy emotional lifting. Come on. Uh, once again, the these emotionally charged stories that these black women would be undertaking, they would be acting jobs. They're not going to do interviews afterwards and say that this actually happened to them. <laughs> but it is... <laughs> Woof. I actually am also here because the amount of memes we would get. I don't think we understand. The internet landscape would change Forever. every week yes. that a new image drops. Yes. It would be must-see TV. Black people are loyal TV customers. Come on. We not only watch shows, we group watch shows, we communally mm -hmm. watch shows, we, we turn shows into water cooler conversations. Yeah. So I think, Ryan Murphy, you should do it. And... If you do it, you know Angelica Ross will also be like Brian Murphy stuck to his word. There you She's go. not one of these people who's going to be she like, She won't oh. hold a grudge. She won't yeah, hold a grudge. she won't hold a grudge. Yeah. She'll just be yeah. like, hell yeah. Like, this is great. I will say what I want for the all-black FUBU NAACP <laughs> United Negro College Fund season <laughs> of American Horror Story. The the UPN Ooh. American Horror Story. <laughs> the, the Dancing Frog CW yeah. edition. I want... I want it to be American Horror Story Soul Plane. No. Remember Soul Plane? <laughs> Do you remember Soul Plane, the movie starring no. Oscar winner Monique and Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart? It was and all Kevin about Hart. this black. And Lonnie Love. Lonnie Love. All about this uh, black owned airline that was kind of hood in a fun way. Take that premise, <laughs> let Ryan Murphy and Tyler Perry turn it into horror. Oh my God. Dude, Imagine. Imagine. Hey y'all, what's cracker like it? This is your soul plane chauffeur, Captain Antoine Max speaking. He sounds nice. Welcome aboard NWA. Flight 069. So on that note, to recap, we are into an all-black season of American Horror Story, but not yes. into Ryan Murphy ghosting Angelica Ross. Uh, <laughs> we are into comedians lying as long as they admit that they're lying. Yes. And I think I'm into this Disney $115,000 world trip because it's absurd. And we're not into Taylor Swift having people do puzzles. Yeah, Taylor, just put the songs out. Stop just playing with me. Just put the songs Stop out. Stop playing with me, girl. I like your songs. Just put them out. <laughs> just put them out. On that note, uh, drum roll, please. 
the winner of this week's game is Angelica Ross. Angelica Ross. Hell yeah. Jay, thank you again, as always. Sam, thank you for having me. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zinn. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, and the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. Listeners, we are back Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, go watch Soul Plane. It's so bad, it's good. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.